You're listening to Mud Season. I'm Eliza Giles. Breaking news tonight, America shuts down. A new reality sets in with the coronavirus crisis. The National Guard this moving morning, in. This the party is over. After criticism from across the country about younger people ignoring orders of social distancing. We would respectfully ask the media and politicians and everybody else involved not do anything to incite a panic because there's no reason to panic at all. Yes. Uh, everyone in America should slow down and stop uh, panicking and, and being hysterical and we are having... China a- on Monday lashed out at the U.S. government's response to this outbreak, accusing Washington of grossly overreacting and fanning mass hysteria around the world. And uh, the message from an epidemiologic standpoint is that no, we're not overreacting, that um, these ne- these precautions are necessary in order to um, to flatten the outbreak curve, so to make sure that as new cases are being diagnosed and being spread, that we're doing everything we can to limit our social networks so that the our exposure to the virus and our exposure to other people with the virus uh, are minimized so that our, specifically so that our healthcare systems and our healthcare organizations are able to react to and deal with the level of outbreak that we see in our community over time. That's Vicki Hart, an epidemiology professor with a focus on rural populations who teaches in the Masters of Public Health program at the University of Vermont. And the reason it's so important to practice social distancing is to limit how fast the disease moves through the population. So um, social distancing really works because it it limits our social network. So if you think about when you put something on social media and we say it goes viral, it goes viral because you share it with your network and then your network shares it with their network and so on and so forth. And so that um, that sharing becomes exponential, that every person that you share it to shares it to more than one person. So it just grows and grows and grows. And that's why we say it's, it's going viral because that's exactly how a virus will spread in the community, that if one person has it, they share it to multiple people who share it to multiple people and that becomes an outbreak. And key to this is to take the spikes in disease and spread them over time so that the healthcare system can handle them. Yeah, one of the primary objectives of disease containment is to flatten that outbreak curve so that um, the peak of the curve is something that our healthcare system can tolerate. We only have a finite number of doctors, nurses, healthcare personnel um, who are able to work with patients who have the coronavirus. Um, So it's really important that the peak of the outbreak curve here in Vermont or in in any community is below a point at which it can be handled by our existing healthcare system. And because we travel so much, diseases like this spread faster than ever. And this one is particularly dangerous. Tonight, the Chinese city of Wuhan and nearby towns locked down. No trains, flights, or mass transit. 25 million people effectively chaos erupting overseas as people in Ukraine protest the arrival of evacuees from China. This as more passengers disembark from the other cruise liner, the Diamond Princess, here in Japan. Across Europe, countries are closing their borders. Amid warnings, the peak of the outbreak could be up to three months away. The CDC says the infected passenger passed through busy SeaTac airport in Seattle, the first confirmed U.S. case of the contagious coronavirus now in Washington state. We believe that this virus was transmitted animal to human, so it's a virus that um, that mutated from this coronavirus. Um, SARS and MERS, which have both been outbreaks in the past, are also coronaviruses, and this is another mutation of that coronavirus. Um, so it was transmitted from animal to human, and then 
A dangerous thing about this virus is not only that it's incredibly contagious, but also that it has a latency period. So there can be a time before humans display symptoms in which they're transmitting the virus, um, but don't necessarily know that they have it yet, so they're not taking precautions to distance themselves from other people. And so as, as people were going around with this virus, transmitting it to other people, that's how the virus started to, to go viral. That's how it started to spread out of control exponentially within a, a densely populated community. And then one of the things, you know, even since the, the SARS virus 17 years ago, we live in a much more global society. So people are traveling much more consistently. Um, and that allows that spread of the virus. And one difference with this new strain is that we know very little about it and have no protections in place. A vaccine is many months away. Knowing that and understanding that folks aren't vaccinated against this disease is a big deal. When you compare coronavirus to the regular seasonal flu, one of the big, biggest differences is we're very aware of the seasonal flu. People get vaccinated. Even if they're not vaccinated, there's some amount of immunoprotection um, just from being exposed over a lifetime to these types of flu viruses. Some places in China and South Korea are showing signs of progress with containing the disease by identifying infected individuals and isolating them to prevent spread. In China, those carrying the disease have been immediately quarantined. What we've seen in some other cities in China and around um, that area is that early precautions and early social distancing um, have really helped the outbreak um, mechanism. So in, in Wuhan, you see a very quick spike to the disease. If you, if you imagine it kind of as a bell curve um, of cases, it's a very, very tall spike. Um, in some of the other cities that put quarantine measures in place in very early stages, it's a much lower spike. How these curves appear makes a big difference, and flattening the curve is essential. The way that we think about flattening the curve is not necessarily about fewer people being diagnosed, diagnosed with the disease, but about the time over which they're diagnosed with the disease. So uh, we would ultimately love for fewer people to be diagnosed, and then we'd have a, a shorter, flatter, smaller curve in general. But even if you think about the same number of people being diagnosed, if we can spread that out over a longer period of time, that allows our healthcare system to react much more uh, efficiently. A semester turned on its head. UVM students clearing out their dorms as the coronavirus forces classes to move online. Wednesday afternoon, the University of Vermont said they will be transitioning to remote methods of instruction. This will begin March 18th and remain in effect until further notice. And that is why postponing large gatherings like sporting events and conferences, closing college campuses, and transitioning to remote working situations make such a difference. So here at the University of Vermont, we have decided to go to online instruction. Um, Classes are canceled Monday and Tuesday, and then we're going online after that um, in order to ensure that our students are um, staying in places where they can be safe and they can distance themselves from others. Um, places like dormitories, dining halls, um, even large classrooms, you know, people are packed in tightly and there's no way to stop the disease from transmitting um, in those kinds of situations. So the best thing that we can do for the health and safety of everybody on our campus, students, faculty, and staff alike, is to ensure some level of social distancing. You 
are lucky to have Dr. Anthony Fauci back with us, director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. What can you tell the American people? If it's left to its own devices, you'll get the maximum peak, a lot of suffering, a lot of illness, a lot of death. What our responsibility is and what we are doing very, very vigorously right now is to put into play the kinds of things that would blunt that curve. I've said that many, many times. And clearly, being able to test more people would be helpful, Dr. Hart believes. The fact that tests are limited means that we are only testing those individuals who are presenting with, um, with symptoms of the disease, and that limits our understanding of how the disease is transmitting, who is getting it, who isn't necessarily presenting symptoms, which from an epidemiologic standpoint limits the amount of data that we have on that whole denominator of individuals who are susceptible to the disease. So we're really only seeing the numerator of cases and not seeing what the overall risk is in the general population. And from a, from a data standpoint, from understanding the spread of the disease standpoint, that's limiting. And it will be essential to understand this disease and how it moved through the population. You know, we've seen SARS, we've seen MERS, we've seen H1N1, we've seen uh, now COVID-19. Um, these aren't necessarily black swans that, you know, are not going to come up again in our lifetime. And our students as, as future public health professionals are going to, it, it will behoove us to teach them how to deal with situations like this so that we have more of a playbook um, for the next time this happens and it will happen again at some point. I think it'll be really important as we get this disease controlled and we, we can step back and take a breath that we do look at the lessons learned from how we've reacted to this outbreak. I mean, it's certainly the biggest public health issue crisis that we've seen in a long time. From what we know about this disease and from what we know about how diseases mutate and transmit, um, this certainly won't be the last mutation that we see. You know, hindsight is twenty twenty. but the nice thing about that is that we do, you know, ultimately we will have hindsight, a very clear hindsight to see what we could have done better and making sure that um, we have the processes in place, we have the funding in place, we have the resources in place to do that should this happen again so that we have, um, like I said, a, a better playbook for how to react to this kind of crisis. What I'm most worried about is people not taking the precautions seriously enough. Um, the, the goal of everything that's been done so far, so going to online classes, remote working, all of the precautions that we're putting in place, um, the goal is social distancing. But if people are continuing to gather, um, not taking those seriously, continuing to gather in other places, um, that goal is somewhat defeated. So just understanding that what we're trying to do is to allow, we know that this, this virus is here. Um, it's in Vermont. It's being transmitted among Vermonters and the, the people that we care about. Um, our goal is to do whatever we can to ensure that that outbreak curve, the, the amount of, of disease that we see, is what our healthcare system can handle. Um, and that's what I'm most worried about, being able to give good care to everybody who needs it in our state. Thank you for listening to Mud Season, a podcast presented by the Center for Research on Vermont. Special thanks to Dr. Vicki Hart for speaking to us for this episode. Learn more about her work at the UVM Master of Public Health program. 
If you are studying Vermont, either as a profession or as a hobby, consider applying for membership to the Center for Research on Vermont. It costs nothing and will help keep you up to date with the latest Vermont news and research, as well as with future podcasts. You can also follow us on Facebook or on Twitter and Instagram under username at CRVT underscore. Also follow our Mud Season Instagram at MudSeasonPod. If you know of a story that should be featured on our show, please contact us. If we miss something or if anything in this episode is incorrect, please email us at crvt at uvm.edu and we'll update the information. Regardless, we'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening.